Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Today, we are reviewing the movie Apostle. Yeah, that's hard to say, though. Apostle? 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 Apossum? Apostle. Well, did we watch Apossum on accident? <laughs> Um, so this is a Netflix original, and that gave me a little bit of inherent fear as we started. Yeah, yesterday's movie, also a Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not had good luck with those I've this got month. a list about that later. Okay. We picked this movie because it seemed like it was going to hit a bunch of the tags that we use that we haven't used yet this month. Yeah, we managed to pull off a period piece. This is set in, I believe, 1905. Yep. A movie about cults, yep. which we haven't done yet this month. It also hits the torture and gore tags. Yeah, I don't know if I can give it a torture tag, even though it features some very grotesque torture, because it's not about it. There's really only two torture scenes. Are you kidding? Their entire religion was built around torture. I I definitely think you can give it the torture tag. I I, I don't know. That's a debate for another day. Oh, we might have to debate that today. Gore, definitely, but we've already handled that this month. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So quick summary. The main character of this movie, Thomas Richardson, is sent into a cult which lives on an island in order to uh, rescue his sister, who apparently was kidnapped and taken to that island. Yeah, they tried to make it seem like she had just joined the cult, I think. And they sent out a letter from her like, hey, bring some money to get me out of here. But really, they were just trying to extort money to get the girl back. Yeah. The island and the cult are based on these three men. He uses the word brothers, but I'm not sure they were actually brothers. I don't think they're brothers. Uh, No, I'm confident they were not actually brothers because two of their children were in a... Two of their teenage children were in a relationship. So, well, um, I mean, it's a cult. No, I, I think they were just three friends yeah. who, you know, considered themselves brothers. Great but they, friends. Right. <laughs> you know, in the way that great friends always murder one another when they become unhappy with decisions yeah. the others have made. So these three guys are shipwrecked on this island and find a goddess and capture her, basically. They, they imprison her. And are are forcing her to um, give them good fortune, right? Basically, right. basically make their crops grow, really. Right. So the brother has to try to rescue his sister from these people. He sure does. Uh, this movie is pretty vague about what is going on, what the magic is, what what this goddess is capable of, and what she is. But I got this idea early on that she's a siren because. They have all these broken ships that they Mm. use to build all their houses out of. And it kind of feels like that was one of the ways she helped them was bringing them, you know, the treasure and wood of ships that she makes crash on her shores. Yeah. Something like that. But by the end of the movie, I'm pretty confident that she is the island, right? 
Well, she's definitely incredibly closely tied to the island. Like, when they... And I don't quite understand, like you said, what she does and, and how they're making her do it. Because they have her tied down, you know, almost planted in a way. Like, yeah. I mean, she, she I, sort of becomes plant on her bottom half. Yeah, I don't know if they, like, just tied her up and then she grew all over the place or if they yeah. did that. I, yeah. It's not, you never really see the lower half of her in the whole movie. No, but she's, like, restrained in some way. And then they keep feeding her blood. Like, to begin with, they yeah. feed her animals from the island, which... If she is the island or she's like sort of a mother nature sort of thing, which I thought yeah, initially, it's super like that. creepy that they feed her <laughs> yeah. her own like children, basically. Yeah. But then eventually that stops working. And the fallout between the brothers is how to address that. And one of them is like, well, she wants people. We have to give her people. I feel like from what we're seeing, they're a ways into the whole people thing at this point. I mean, they're, they're at least cutting everybody and taking their blood. Yes. And they've got Treeface the Gimp Monster, who <laughs> apparently, like, collects people. And, I mean, maybe this is a new development, but he's collecting people. and Only women. Only women. So Quinn seems to be very on board with the whole, she wants women, we'll feed her women. Whereas Malcolm, who is, like, the, the preacher mm-hmm. throughout the movie, because Quinn is more of the, the law enforcement side, I guess. Sure. Malcolm is a preacher. He seems to be more of like, we should collectively be giving her blood. I will feed her my blood. Like he's yeah. he's being more like, well, this is our responsibility because we have captured her. And Quinn is like, oh, no, we're going to pass this buck onto the whole community. And I think that is an element in how, you know, Quinn is a bad man, kills his own daughter, and then arranges to have... Frank's son. Yeah, Frank's son, his daughter's boyfriend, killed by framing him for the murder. Mm -hmm. And I think part of what drives that, besides all the craziness and evil, is he's like, here's somebody I can use to feed to her. Here's here's a person I can give her. And that's why he wanted to kill this kid. Well, in part. So he, right, he frames Jeremy and so then triggers the, like, the island justice system, basically. Yeah, the standard rules of justice that drill a hole in your head if you commit a crime rules. (laughs) To cleanse you. Yeah. You know, a hole that goes deep into your brain. Yeah. Really cleans you out. Very cleansing. (laughs) But see, that's where I feel like torture is an appropriate tag because... Oh, that was very torture. Because it was... I mean, that's the whole premise of, like, their entire justice system is built around medieval style torture. I mean, you know, the whole hooks through the hands and stretching and pulling and, you know, corkscrew into the brain kinds of things. Stick them in a paper shredder. Yeah, it was... I, I made a note where, like, I don't like to look at the gore in a lot of the horror movies that sure. have gore, but I don't feel like I'm going to have nightmares about it. I don't <laughs> feel like it's going to stick with me. I think it's just like, ew, I don't want to look at that. It's gross. The note that I made was, oh, it turns out medieval style torture has an effect on me. Like, I actually didn't watch parts of it because I was afraid that I would see it when I closed my eyes. Yeah, well, I, I look away at that stuff. I. I don't know that it sticks with me, but it was very effectively done. Yes. And lots of noises you didn't want to hear. Oh, and no holds barred. Like it did not cut away from <laughs> places where you're like, oh, surely they're going to cut. Nope. Nope. They didn't cut away. Oh. Uh, yeah. It was some of the more traumatizing gore that I've seen, perhaps because it, it kind of taps into that, 
oh, this is based on historical truth and people were really treated in this way. Yeah. And I can, you know, whenever it's that, oh, real people experienced <laughs> this, I really struggle with it. So they know she wants blood, the goddess, mm -hmm. and they're feeding it to her. Here's the thing, though. There's a flashback to when they first captured her. Mm -hmm. And she's facing away from them. And first of all, how did they know she was anything special? Just an old lady sitting in the woods and they're like, hey, let's get one of these. I don't know. Right. Clearly, that's a goddess. <laughs> but uh, she's facing away from them, and she kind of sits up as they arrive, and she has a smile on her face. I think everything that happened is her plan. I mean, at the end, of course, she's like, oh, I've been waiting for you for so long, speaking to Thomas, the main uh -huh. character, because she didn't was tired of being tortured. Speaking of torture, she was being tortured the whole movie. Right. And I think it, I was trying to piece this together while I was sleeping last night, or between sleeping. <laughs> and she she was using them to give her blood. And you know how they like, oh, this blood's not working. We've got to give her more. We've got to give her more serious kinds of blood, like human blood, etc. And she's barely doing anything. And at one point, he says, she's not a god. She's a machine. She just, you put the blood in and you get results. But the results kept going down because she didn't have to do anything. And she was accumulating that giant river of blood under the ground. So she was kind of conditioning them to give her more and more of what she wanted, which was so, them. Yeah, and then so eventually she kicks them all off the island. So basically she was farming these humans. Yeah, I think that kind of makes sense. That does kind of make sense. And she was pretending that she couldn't make the crops do anything uh -huh. with this amount of blood. But she was storing up gallons gallons isn't even the word no like, mega gallons yeah. <laughs> under the ground of yeah. all of this blood although it's kind of weird at the end when the blood splooshes out of the rock and it kind of seems like that's a her failing but i i think it's not i don't know yeah it's it's like it's her exploding kind of but she's not exploding she's fine but she's definitely losing her reserve with which then makes me wonder why like okay i can understand she's tired of this experiment she wants to get rid of them and start over perhaps yeah but I don't understand why then she would get rid of the reserve of the thing that she was wanting all along. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that there are two, well, I'm sure there are multiple levels to this movie, but there's the story mm -hmm. of this goddess and these humans and whatever. And then there's the the symbolism of it. And I very strongly believe that the sister who got kidnapped is a representation of Christianity. I think the symbolism of this movie is that there's sort of a battle between the Christian faith and this more pagan faith. Yeah, and there's a bit where they have a flashback to our favorite apostle, Thomas, Thomas. visiting China to be a missionary in China. And I was totally on the side of the Chinese people in that story. Oh, yeah. He's, he, you know, he's telling the story and trying to make it seem like he should be garnering sympathy because they treated these missionaries so badly. Mm -hmm. Well, there were reasons. Yeah. <laughs> like they were defending themselves against crusader style attack. I, it yeah. was it was very upsetting. And and so I really I don't know. I think that there's probably a lot of interesting interplay here for someone who maybe knows a lot about different religions or has some sort of religious belief system themselves where they could take, ooh, you know, this side or that side, or I believe this yeah. or I believe that. Whereas from my perspective, which is none of this is real, 
I, you know, I'm like, oh, well, yeah. You know, all I'm seeing here is that religion makes people do terrible things. Yeah. Regardless well, of the religion. And that's kind of a thing about it is they, these three men are corrupting religion. They found this wonderful goddess of the, of the island or whatever, who does great things if you give her things. And they're like, let's lock that down and abuse it. I think that's the Quinn character. I yeah. think the Malcolm character shows religion corrupting men. Interesting. Because he's a decent, like, he wants to Wait. do the right things. We have a holy trinity here. What we does do. Frank do? Frank's a nice guy. Frank is a nice guy. Maybe he's Jesus. I don't know. I mean, maybe Frank is the one, because he's the only one of the bunch who is like, you know what? We're out. I'm taking my mm -hmm. son and we're leaving this island. This isn't working for me anymore. So, you know, maybe that's the piece that's missing there. Like you have the human corrupting the religious values to serve him and you have religion corrupting a decent person because of you know, following rules and norms and whatnot that this evil person has created. And then you've got Frank who is just like, yep, <laughs> I, I, I don't think this is working. I'm going to go now. And of course, he is immediately killed. <laughs> yep, <laughs> like, definitely. <laughs> nobody hate, nobody's hated more than the person who recognizes that the religion is nonsense in the first place. Yeah, I can see that. Some interesting stuff here. Yeah. So there's... There's another huge theme to this movie that no one will be surprised that I picked up on and have issues with. Oh, what's that? The idea that women belong to men, regardless of what, which man it is and whether they're good or not or corrupt or, you know, have good intentions or bad. Every man in this movie thinks that they are there to save and protect and possess the women around them. It even pretty much includes the goddess. I mean, obviously, the, the three men are possessing and controlling her. But at the, Thomas, at the end, kind of switches sides, and he's like, I'm here to save you. Right. Yeah. And... Even Jeremy, who is sweet, and I, he, you know, the, the Jeremy and Fionn love story there was just, it was very sweet. It was sort of mm -hmm. Romeo, like the good parts of Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> where they're like just desperately they madly still in love. They end up both dead, though. They do end up both dead. So it had the bad parts, too, although <laughs> they didn't like kill themselves. They were killed by terrible people. Yeah. By, by a terrible person. True. That was all they Quinn's were both doing. by the same person. But even Jeremy and Fionn's relationship is steeped in this, this cultural norm that, you know, he is to protect her and build a house for her. And then she yeah. is to be his and... She is to cleave to him. <laughs> right? There were a lot of instances where Firefly came to mind watching this, actually. Yes. Very much. We but, should do this part first, though. But yes, it, it just, it's so prevalent. And it comes, it's not just on the island. Like Thomas comes in and he's saving his sister. And while I think that his love for his sister is more appropriate and, <laughs> and sibling-like than the sibling love that was in... In the tall grass. In the tall grass. It still was like, oh, dude, you know what? Too much. Yeah. Too much. Let her do her own thing. 
that opens up a different category of discussion. But yeah. Yeah. So the whole thing, like I have in all caps, I'm just like the idea that women belong to men is enraging and I am so over it. Particularly, I, I wrote this when Quinn finds out his daughter is pregnant and yeah. he is livid to the point of murdering her. Yeah. And his whole argument to her as he's murdering her is that baby for reasons that are never explained to us, he he's convinced that the baby is going to kill her when it's born, like by giving birth to it will kill her. And, you know, it's going to be a monster and whatever. And so he kills her, which not a solution. No. And I think he believes that because he's seen, like we saw that calf or lamb or whatever it was that was born. Uh, it was yes. all deformed. That's right. You know, he knows sure. what he's up to. The he goddess knows. is not allowing fertility right. to function. So I think he is... I think he's right that this would have been an abomination, but he's the one who's <laughs> causing that to happen, first of all. And then later, he's all mad because, or his whole plan is that he's going to take these other women and impregnate them and use their babies to feed the goddess. Yeah, that made like, no sense at all. You had one. What What do you want? Like, make up your mind, dude. And the thing is, I don't think he could make up his mind in that instance because it wasn't really about the fact that the fetus was going to kill her. It was yeah. that... She had sullied herself and stepped outside of his control in a way that yeah. enraged him yeah, to murder. Yeah, his control in which he peeps on her while she's in the outhouse. That's yeah. a little bit inappropriate. It was not okay. <laughs> None of it was okay. But speaking of things that are super okay, a lot of Firefly feeling. The music was Firefly. It was that like folky, um, like fiddle and... The, the subtitle said fiddle and drum music. Yeah, it, it was exactly the same music that they used in several episodes in Firefly. And they looked like they were like in a bar on U-Day. And yep. It just yep. had everything. And there was even, there was a scene where they were like having a dance outside and stuff. And the music was like that. And I was listening to it. And this isn't really a Firefly thing. This is just, I'm like, this music's kind of got some funk to it. Like... It's surprising that this is the music from back then. Maybe it's not. It's whatever they were making for this movie. And, you know, like it sounds complex and interesting rhythms and melodies, and like not what you expect from the olden days. And then I realized I had this thought, which has nothing to do with this movie, which is that at some point in the 1300s, somewhere, somebody played the riff from Welcome to the Jungle. That happened. Just by chance? Like, yeah. like putting the notes in sequence. Yeah, they were like, oh, this sounds cool. This could be a song about being welcomed to my gardens. <laughs> That's what they said. That's interesting. As you're talking about the music, I'm wondering if it's not more likely that complex music was much more prevalent in <laughs> the early possibly. 1900s <laughs> sure. and has become increasingly simplified and dumbed down for popular consumption. Yeah, it's very possible. That's a sad state of affairs. <laughs> My big question at the end was, did they learn anything? Like, hmm. near the very end, there's a scene with Malcolm and Thomas, and it's sort of the denouement of the story, so to speak. Yeah. And I couldn't help but wonder, as I'm looking at them and hearing them talk about everything that has happened, did they learn anything from all of the horrific things that happened? 
I feel like there was something going on in Thomas's head that wasn't explained to us and that I wasn't smart enough to get. Like, obviously, the goddess put some thoughts in his head by jabbing her fingers Mm -hmm. into his head. And he decided to do what she wanted, which was to burn her alive. And then he got brutally murdered, but kept on moving. He was fine, stabbed 14 or so times and just kept going mm-hmm. and eventually collapsed in the grass and the island took him like he was mm-hmm. fading away and going into the ground. And I had two ideas on that. One was just that he was, you know, being eaten by the goddess and he's just right. his work is done. And the other is that maybe this goddess, you know, the goddess actually is the island literally And the woman in question that they thought was the goddess was just a person just like Thomas, who is now going to become the god, you Uh know, and he'll be on the island. He's the new siren. He's going to be the new, like, call people to the island. And get captured. Something like that. Which makes sense. Then he is the new apostle of this island. Sure. Wow, that's good. Look at us. Good title work. We're smart. Well... Um, okay, what about Malcolm? Did Malcolm learn anything? Malcolm? Malcolm's daughter is dead. No, Malcolm's daughter has fled the island. She was one of the few survivors. Malcolm's daughter has fled the island, directly rescuing Jennifer, the sister who I believe represents Christianity. So Malcolm's mm. daughter, who was raised within this the pagan religion, within this pagan religion, but who was praying to a god, not a goddess, at one point earlier in huh. the movie, is now fleeing the island, protecting and, and rescuing the Christianity symbol of this movie. Huh. Uh, is is Malcolm now going to be the voice piece for Thomas as the new... Sure. Is he maybe, just going to continue? Maybe that's it. He's going to keep hanging out on the island. And he's going to do his again? peaceful version of this island worship because that's what he was trying to do. Even though he did have all his guys stab this one guy to death with all their spears simultaneously, which was quite violent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, and I feel like there's the thing. He has learned nothing because <laughs> what he has not learned is that as soon as other people start to become involved in this religion that he – in this belief system that he has, it's going to start being twisted and corrupted. And at some point, somebody who is – evil and broken enough and strong enough to corrupt this religion to their own purposes is going to come along. Hmm, Sure. I don't know. I definitely, I like the idea that she was there before anyone. They came, corrupted her, she kicked him off, and now she's back to possibly okay, except that Malcolm's still there. Ooh, I like the the idea there that nature just kind of shook off the humans that were messing with she her. She definitely did. And was like, all right, I'm done with you, and I'm just going to start over. Actually, maybe this whole thing is <laughs> global warming. Right? It's just She's like, an environmental She's like, we're going to set it all on fire, <laughs> and you guys have to leave or die, and then I'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know. One of the things that really bugged me story-wise is that Thomas comes in, He he's pretending to be a new citizen joining their cult, right? Yeah. And he comes in and it's obvious that he doesn't know anything about their cult or their <laughs> yeah. religion or their belief he system. He had a lot of luck. Like he just he keeps making these like blatant errors so that people know he's not who he says he is. Yeah. Not they're not the the people who are looking for him. Like there are people who are trying to find him to kill him. But people know like Jeremy finds out. 
So he holds Jeremy's relationship with Fionn over his head and is like, if you don't do what I ask you to, if you're not mine, then I'll, I'll rat you out. And that's enough to then make Jeremy incredibly loyal to him. At no point yeah. is Jeremy like, okay, this is my chance to get away and like yeah, turn him buddies. in. No, they're just best buddies. There's an old lady later toward the end who just for some reason is completely like holding the boat and agrees to like do a whole thing so that, you know, to help Thomas save his sister. Like everyone who... And Andrea. Yeah, like all of the people in this village who have lived in this cult and have this belief system just like threw it right out the window (laughs) as soon as Thomas came along. And that sort of felt like a clumsy, allegorical, Christianity will save you, Hmm. and you want to be saved by Christianity sort of thing. Like, he's the missionary. That is, that's possible. I mean, the other thing is just that that was like clumsy way of handling just the story like right to have having him succeed in his mission which was basically impossible yeah but uh, that is an interesting way of looking at it i mean also it could have been trying to show that the village was starting to rebel against oh, this horrific to religion that. yes that things had ta- definitely taken a turn. This was when things were really falling apart. Their crops weren't any good anymore. And right. everybody's like, this isn't working. We-, we need any way out. Which is how religions come in and take control. Yeah. That's how Thomas they, came they in and took into, control. You know, you bring a religion to a place that is struggling. And if you <laughs> manage to help them with their struggling, there's a faith there. And they're like, oh, well, clearly this is the God that's protecting me then. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Even with the whole, they're starting to lose faith in their pagan god thing, they weren't indicating that in any way, shape, or form until Thomas showed up. Yeah. Which, you know, is very white savior nonsense. (laughs) So I I didn't like that in terms of the message of the movie, and I didn't like that in terms of how the story itself was written. It it felt broken in a way that wasn't addressed. Well, I think, I mean, a better way they could have done that is just made the guys looking for him not so incredibly good at finding him. Yeah. Like, he had so many close shaves, despite everybody helping him. You know, if he had just been able to not be so obvious. Yeah. That he could have gone undercover a while and figured things out. Yeah. So, this is another movie, again, like in the tall grass, where the Mm. heroes are supposed to Like, the character who we're supposed to see as the hero has some character flaws that I think go beyond character flaw into you're not a good person. The sister in In the Tall Grass, very early on, you know, things start to get a little creepy and she's like, you know what? Screw the kid. This is about us. We're going to protect ourselves. Let's get out of here. Like, she immediately throws over anybody else and is all about protect herself. Mm -hmm. I think that movie was trying to say that that was inappropriate. That was part of how she was bad, just like she was going to give her kid up to adoption. Right. In this movie, Thomas is clearly supposed to be the hero. And several times he makes a choice to do something that throws somebody else under the bus and causes them to be like killed, basically, or puts them in grave danger simply so that he can keep his secret, basically. Well, yeah, his thing is laser focused on that sister. It's very- (laughs) Much like in the tall grass. Yes. It's very the ends justify the means. And I don't subscribe to that uh, way of thinking. So it makes this hero somebody who is lacking some fundamental heroicness. That makes me want to get to my list of in the tall grass similarities. Okay. Let us begin. Treeface the Gimp Monster was just like the grass face people. Yep. The big field of 
tall grass in this movie was just like the field of tall grass. It was all dead. Yeah, but it was dead yes. in this movie, which is a part of the message. Yep. The stuff about eating babies all over the place. Yep. Having babies and eating them. Cave paintings that tell you about the gods and things you're worshiping. The plant god that mm-hmm. is behind mm-hmm. it all. A brother that's too into his sister, although not as bad in this movie, mm-hmm. but same idea. It's a little, little he, obsessive. He was very possessive of his sister in this one. Not in a, I want to have inappropriate relations with you, but yeah. I still in a, like, you belong to me kind of way. Yeah. And then just the overall mystery to it all, where it's all mysterious and it comes together towards the end. This is not nearly as bad about that as in the tall grass, so credit there. But still, I still don't get it because I'm not that smart. And also, like, the natural world as allegory for religion. Okay, so she is that smart, folks. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) The thing is, I didn't really pick up, you know, it wasn't until we started talking about both of those movies where I was like, oh, this is very blatantly a movie about religion. Yes, very blatantly. And I just wanted it to be a movie about creepy things going on. Like, I just Uh wanted it to be about people and supernatural stuff. And so I I kind of, I I have a blind spot there. Yeah. And then we start talking about it. I'm like, oh, Right. It's called Apostle. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't know this one was about religion. But... Yeah. Yeah, the other one was, yeah. I wanted huh. it to be more just about time travel. Right. And I wanted this one just to be about creepy human beings and well, not about an actual religious entity. And that's what I enjoyed about this one. I was into this story, like, not even as a horror movie, just as a, I don't know, a movie about a guy going in on his undercover mission and how that's mm. going to work out. And, you know, but but a period piece. So it's interesting in that way, seeing mm-hmm. all this old fashioned stuff. So, like, it was compelling in that way and then it got real weird and convoluted you know you mentioned the period piece element of it and it's it's from 1905 like it's weird that like it's set in 1905 but it feels like it's set much earlier than that yeah because of the methods of torture that they're using <laughs> yeah like it's not a medieval movie it's some medieval torture but it had some pretty medieval elements to it which is interesting then you know here we are in modern times watching a movie about a time you know 100 some years Years ago, where those people are emulating a system from even earlier. So it's like there's there's many time layers to that. There are time layers, just like in the tall grass. Huh. So another commonality between Apostle and In the Tall Grass is that they're both Netflix originals. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we have learned about Netflix originals <laughs> is that they are very algorithmically driven. Yes. Um, they do research into what is it that people want, and then they make movies that give people what they think they want. Will Smith plus Cops <laughs> plus Fantasy. Exactly. What was that one called? Bright. Bright. Ugh. Adam Sandler plus anything. <laughs> and and it seems to be that within the horror genre, they have decided that there's this like religious element plus supernatural nature thing plus, you know, like there's... Plus don't bother with the ending. Plus don't bother with the ending. This one did better with an ending. Yeah. But it's like... You know those memes where they say, oh, we taught a computer how to tell (laughs) knock-knock jokes, and then here are the knock-knock jokes it came up with. 
And they're shaped like knock-knock jokes, but they don't work like knock-knock jokes. That's what Netflix original movies are starting to feel like. They're like, we taught a computer how to make a movie, and this is the movie it came up with. Sure. It's shaped like a movie. It has all the pieces of a movie, but they just don't quite fit together in a way that makes a movie. Yeah. I mean, that's a little sad because obviously it was written by a person, but okay. But it was written by a person who was told, here's a checklist of things you need to include. (laughs) Yes. And then here are things we're not going to pay any attention to. Like, we don't care if there are plot holes. We don't care if, you know, this movie is ridiculously misogynistic or has terrible messages or has any kind of message whatsoever. Like, we don't care what people are going to take away from it. They don't care. They just want flashy, shiny, exciting well, pictures in that, front of their I eyes. I think is the biggest thing that they want high production values. It has to look mm-hmm. like it's a great movie, mm-hmm. like something from the theaters, so that when you see the trailer or anything, you're going to be like, wow, Netflix really puts out some quality work. And th- again, the trailer thing, it has to have a whole lot of promise. Like mm-hmm. it has to be built on a very intriguing premise. And they always are. Yeah, they are. And then they're like, but we don't care. If you actually follow through on any of your promises, you don't have to actually provide any kind of closure yeah. or ending or answers. And the scary thing that you're going to, the the ultimate pinnacle of all of this is the open house, which we <laughs> yes. both gave a zero to, where it looked really good. The trailer was mm-hmm. intriguing. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the quality of filmmaking was great. It was a great movie. Yep. Until the end, when it completely was absolute garbage. Right. And they can get away with it because by the time you're, you know, seven-eighths of the way through the movie, uh-huh. you you don't give up on it. You're like, okay, maybe it'll maybe it'll work. Maybe, like, I have to see how this ends. And then yeah. it's an entire waste. Well, and it's a trap. It is a trap because it's, it's already done its job. The job is to get you to sign up for Netflix. They don't care yes. even if you watch the movie. They just want your money every month. They want you to sign up and... They want you to spend your time watching movies that they made that they don't have to pay other companies royalties for, as opposed to movies that other people are hosting on their streaming site. That's true. It's like one of those angler fish down deep in the ocean that has like the shiny little thing that Uh draws the fish to it and then it eats you. It eats your wallet. Exactly. Ratings. Apostle is not as good as Firefly. <laughs> Nothing is as good as Firefly. But boy, does it keep reminding me of Firefly, which was fun. I was really into it. I mean, this happens all the time. I was really into it for most of the movie and then less at the end. But not. it wasn't a failure at the end. It didn't fall apart. So the promise of it for the first half or so was really high, and I was very interested in the story and where it was going and, you know, if he would successfully rescue his sister from this cult. But it kind of, it changes a lot from there and it becomes less of a rescue from a cult story and more of a weird religious craziness story. So overall, well done film, but the way the plot wraps up is just not my favorite. So I'm going to go to approximately three and a half jars of blood out of five. Three and a half. Okay. Aside from the 
disappointing like Netflix algorithm source material. There is a lot to like about this movie. And I am very aware that a certain type of horror consumer would like this movie even more. Like the parts prior to it kind of falling apart and, you know, story-wise being a problem at the end. I think it very strongly, probably because of this algorithm thing, fits a certain niche of horror watcher really well. Like it's got the gore. It strikes a lot of really strong horror elements. Dark Christian overtones. That's That's a whole thing. Yep. So- You know, I think that even more than I was enjoying this as I went along, I think people would feel as strongly about it as I felt about Open House as it went along. Uh I was like, this is my kind of movie. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then it has the disappointing fizzle of an end. Uh So I think that because this is not my kind of movie, I'm less annoyed by the fizzle of the end than I was with Open House. Like, Open House fizzled out, and I was like, zero. Yeah. You fail. This one, it fizzled out, and I was like, eh. (laughs) (laughs) But I think there would be people who would watch this who would be super into it and then would be super annoyed that it fizzled out at the end. I don't know. I I don't think it's anywhere near the fizzle of Open House. Like, that was just nothing. If you're looking for there to be some kind of answer to the questions that it provides, though, there are no answers. Well, so, I think more so than Tall Grass. I mean, this is this is more wrapped up. Maybe. I don't know. I sort of feel like Tall Grass just put us in the right frame of mind to be able to create something <laughs> out of this movie. Even though we couldn't do that, it out of that movie. Right, that wasn't there. Like, we've just practiced a little bit. I don't know. So I guess my point here is that I did not really love this movie. It, it had things that were good about it. But it also had a lot of things I didn't like. And mm-hmm. it didn't really, like, capture me the way other movies we've watched this month have done. But I can see how it might do that with other people. And so I sort of feel like I want to give them credit for that. Because I don't want my score entirely to be personal preference. This doesn't do it for me. Yeah. But also, it didn't do it for me. So I don't want to give it too <laughs> much credit. Because then people who are looking at my scores overall are going to be like, oh, this must be a good one. I generally agree with her. Oh, yeah. Everybody you know? says that. Well, if they're smart. So... I'm giving this movie three jars of blood out of five because it's a very middle of the road score. It like addresses the things I hated (laughs) and the things I liked and how it's just sort of middle of the road in a lot of ways, I feel like. Okay. That's Um, an acceptable result. All right. Well, everybody cleanse your brains with a drill press and prepare yourself for tomorrow's film, which will be something totally different. Don't forget to put the single sacred rose petal in in your your brain brain hole. Yes. (laughs) That's how you cleanse. Adds a fresh rosy scent. Yes. Lovely. The idea that women belong to men. Hey, it's true. What's your problem? Ouch! Stop! Ow! Why are you hitting me? I'm not even touching you. They can't tell. You (laughs) liar.